You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme. Well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes. And please be drunk when you hear it. It's a drunk podcast. I can rim like a motherfucker. You already saw my Sullivan in San Diego. He got a golden shower. Bundy just fucking cream pied Albano. I've been drunk. I've never been cum drunk. Woo! Hello! Welcome, drunk mocks and drunk mockets, to a jolly old episode of Drunk Wrestling History. I'm Adam, I'm your designated host, and they might be totally drunk blokes, but you know we love them. They're the drunk wrestling historians. This is Eddie, let us drink till thine asses are drunk. And this is Scott, providing education through inebriation. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that was high tempo. Ooh. Was <laughs> that was that your Lord Alfred Hayes? That's what I thought. Impression? Uh, <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes after, uh, uh, in the after show or after party of, uh, after a few drinks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes <laughs> after he finished up with Susan. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> wow. Susan. Yes. Nice callback. <laughs> no, he yeah. actually probably would have been a bit more mellow. That would be the, yeah, that would be the enthusiasm level. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Welcome, everyone, to our episode. We got a fun one planned out for you today. We've got a pay-per-view episode. Uh, but for, before we jump into all those, just a few reminders. I want you to head over to whatamaneuver.net so you can get those Drunk Wrestling History t-shirts. Great soft material for on-demand printing. Many varieties available. T-shirts, hoodies, onesies. Uh, just uh, head over to whatamaneuver.net. And also, uh, it is October, at least as of this recording, it is October. Tis the season. Uh, just curious uh, what you have to drink, or would you like to elaborate on your days today? Well, um, I'll do both. Okay. Um, I'm drinking a White Claw um, watermelon. I'm drinking White Claw because I've been having stomach issues for about three days, and I kind of thought that was going to be better than, I don't know, tequila seemed like a bad idea. Um, it would have been funny to, you know, have to, uh, do a number two during the podcast, but Scott already did that. So I'm not trying to steal his gimmick. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but, you, know, you um, could have done something mixed with ginger ale. I did. I drank vodka with ginger ale before this. Oh, well, there you go. I started with that. I pre-gamed with that. And then now I'm on this, but, uh, that was where I started. Very um, wise. I switched to this. I thought it was, it just seemed like it's really carbonated. It seemed like it might help or at least not make things worse. But, um, you know, Carissa was like, dude, you're really going to drink tonight. I was like, look, I'm, uh. I'm dedicated to my craft. Yes, and that's I'm, a I'm veteran gonna, move, sir. I'm gonna, so well I'll done. suffer for my art. Well done. And I am going yeah, with I'm the, like uh, a, traditional I'm like the blackened in water. But let's let's hear about your day, Eddie. Oh, I mean, there's not much to tell. Um, this is my second time today getting drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> a man to dedicated to his craft. Yeah, like Adam said, um, you're going to hear this in November, and we're going to get into that when we get into the body of the show. But um, it's early October. It's the first weekend of October, Sunday. And uh, we went to an Oktoberfest thing across the bay, and we got there, and it was the least Oktoberfest thing you've ever seen in your life. 
And uh, but I, you know, I made the best of it and got a little drunk. It was like it, it, we showed up. It looked like a wedding. There was nothing Oktoberfest about it at all. But what was great was there was this one couple that showed up in Oktoberfest clothes, like with the whole <laughs> the leader hosing and everything. So they had other. They had higher expectations. Well, they thought the okay. same thing we thought. Okay. We just didn't dress up, you know? Like, they obviously thought it was going to be a proper Oktoberfest. It reminded me of, um, you know, in The Office, when on the Diwali episode, when Michael's oh, girlfriend yes. shows up, she shows up dressed like a cheerleader because she <laughs> thought it was a costume party. That's what it was like. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So, um, yeah, Scott, you drank Friday, Saturday, and now you're drinking Sunday. Y- yes, Correct. Right. Three days in a row. Yes. Yeah. You. So it's, this is a big weekend for us. You drank three days in a row. I'm drinking twice in one day. Yes. As you aptly titled it yesterday, it's Rocktober. It's Rocktober. Yep. I've got, I'm trying it for the first time. It's called Iron Beer. It's This isn't Cuban. like an Iron, Iron brew? brew. Not like Iron Brew. It's Cuban. Oh. That's all I got. Yeah. Okay. In Pittsburgh, there's a beer called Iron City beer, which is actually pretty good. It's if, curious that you would go with a Cuban soda for the episode that we're about to get into. Okay, it's because it's what was available. My Iron Brew stash is still at the Drunkard Dome, so... Uh, ah, I, have, I see. Yeah. I don't you know have what? any here. But look, it's been lasting quite a while. But. When I said we'll get into the body of the show later and explain why you're hearing this in November, I totally got this episode mixed up with another one we're going to record <laughs> on another day. So um, when I don't get into, into that, that's why. We, this is your second time drunk today, so I think we can forgive you. Right, right. This is a yeah. drunk podcast. And my fourth time drunk this month. Or third, <laughs> third time. And today is the third. <laughs> oh, today's, oh, then it's only my second. I drank Thursday. I guess that was still September. Well, this is my third. Don't tell me I have you beat, dude. You do, for now. That oh, depends shit. on what yeah. time you got drunk on Thursday, because that could mean that you were drunk four times on the East Coast or something. Oh, true. Yeah, Yeah. well, I'll be on the East Coast the last week of October, and I'm gonna la- so I'll lap your ass then. I'll be in New York for Halloween, so I'll <laughs> do plenty of drinking that last week of October. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll hit up my, our buddy uh, JC, see if he wants to meet up. There you go. Anyway, let's get into the show. Let's do this. We're heading off uh, to the year of our Lord, 1992, across the pond in jolly old England at Wembley Stadium. This is SummerSlam 1992. Uh, This would be the first uh, major pay-per-view that is overseas. And, yeah. It's still the only major pay-per-view overseas, actually. I guess unless you uh, count Insurrection. I mean, I that's, don't know if I would count that. Well, you know what? I would count that's actually. A, that's a pay-per-view. SummerSlam's one of the big four. <laughs> yeah. You know but what? Yeah, it's actually, not a big four. You know what? The, well, okay. They haven't done a big four overseas, which is ridiculous. Uh, the UK sh- totally should get a WrestleMania. But um, you know what? I'm forgetting about the Crown Jewels and that um, the one they did in Australia. Those were big stadium shows. So I guess it's not the last major overseas show they did. But it's nah, but you know what though? Like, you, you want to talk about like big fours, dude. Like, not like run of the like fuck the crown jewels, right? Okay. And, like the Australia show is fine, but like those are just re- and even insurrection, just regular pay per view. This was a big deal because this is one of the big four, and it happened overseas. And what I love is, as you said, Eddie, word on the street, Cardiff is going to host SummerSlam next year, which would be the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam '92. 
Right, which to me, Cardiff seemed really just kind of out of nowhere. I was like, why Cardiff instead of London? I don't right. know if it has anything to do with schedule or maybe something to do with the stadium, but I mean, or, Wembley's or still Brexit. there. No, because that's, no, that's the UK still. Okay, I don't know. You know? So I don't know. I have no idea why they would do Cardiff instead of London. But um, either way, that's cool. I mean, if, if they do, I'm glad. Uh, it was great when I told you that. You asked if I was going to go. But I'm not going to Vegas for uh, the latter one the month before. Oh, the money but, in the um, bank? You're not going for that, huh? No, I'm not going to that. So like, you were like, oh, a month later, would you go to Cardiff? I was like, fuck no. <laughs> but uh, Cardiff's fun, though. I've been there. It's a great town. But so anyway, yeah. Right like, now I'm thinking th- about it if it does, but... Oh, well. Um, so anyway, I got an experience. It's the first one out uh, out of North America. It was originally supposed to be, I think, in Baltimore. They had originally planned to do it somewhere on the East Coast. I want to say it was Baltimore. But they were starting to get... They were struggling a bit here, you know? Like, this is around that era. Hogan's gone. Was so the steroids were taking a bit of a dump. Uh, ticket sales were down. But they were up in Europe, particularly in the UK. So they were like, well, let's go over there. And then it turned into, well, if we're going there, we might as well do a stadium. But um, I was I just read that recently that it was originally supposed to be in Baltimore, which is pretty interesting. Interesting. You know, I wonder if the main event changes. If they do it in Baltimore, like, does the card remain the same? No, I think think it goes the other way around. It was supposed to be Macho and Warrior in the main event. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's what I was wondering. If they hold the match, like, if they hold the card the way the matches were set up, but they just flip the semi-main and the main. They did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. Um, so before the show starts, we've got the fans outside, which was kind of cool, saying who's going to win. And of course, they're all saying the Bulldog. And it's the one where the one kid says the British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not, which I totally forgot till you made that reference to me. Oh, my God, dude. I, I remember watching. I go, what the fuck did that kid just say? What did he mean? What does that even <laughs> mean? Of course, the Bulldog wants to win. Can we please get clarification? Can we get a follow up yeah. question on this, please? Right, yeah. Was that maybe that was a young Eugene, and he just was a little <laughs> lost. That's a solid theory. The British Bulldog is going to win whether he's coked out of his mind or not. I think that <laughs> might be what he meant. Oh, they're really playing up the England angle. They're showing all the stuff. They're showing Parliament and everything, and the guys with the horns. And I'm watching it now. All I can think is, um, "Hey, kids, there's Big Ben, Parliament." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Clark. It, yeah, um, so they've got the guys standing up on that platform playing those horns, playing, um, I think they said the name of the song, but I forget what it was, but it's like Renaissance Fair music, if you've ever been to the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> and while they're doing it, the camera the camera backs out. It's kind of zoomed in tight on them, and it backs out to show all of them. And they're standing right above a big, bright exit sign, which completely just ruined the whole mood of the thing. <laughs> Then we cut to uh, Brain. So it's Brain and Vince. Heenan and Vince calling the show. Bobby Bobby Heenan, of course, is in a crown. Yes. And you know red, what you're going to get with Vince. Red bedazzled tuxedo. Yeah, he looks fantastic. He looked phenomenal. And, you know, every time I see Vince doing the play-by-play, I'm like, God damn it, here we go again. We're going to get that bullshit where he's like, oh, this was a great match. That's going to be it. And one, two, three, and oh, he kicked out. Vince does that on almost every fucking pin, dude. Dude, a lot of my notes are that about how about the because I don't think we've I'm not sure we've watched a uh, pay-per-view where Vince did commentary maybe we have but if we have it's been a while or one of the king of the rings maybe maybe yeah maybe survivor series yeah maybe maybe I mean I could be totally wrong either regardless though I haven't heard him do commentary in a while Uh, yeah and I think we've had this note every time that we've done a pay-per-view that he's been the commentator on 
I'm sure he did. Yeah, I hate and that I, shit. I guess I just always forget how fucking bad he is. Because when I was a kid, I thought he was pretty good. But listening to this show, oh my god, he's terrible. It makes you miss Gorilla. Oh yeah, or even I mean, Jesse. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, for Could sure. Could you imagine Jesse and the Brain calling a pay per view? Oh, dude, that would have been great. Or and, Jesse and, oh, yeah. and the Brain. Yeah, or Gorilla now would be better than Vince. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, and then the only other note I have is um, they cut to the ring and I can't find the empty seat that the Hulkster in Heaven uh, would have been in. Oh, that's weird. Maybe yeah. you just missed it. You need to watch I, it again. I He's mean, I must be have because I know it was there. I know there was an empty seat. He, he left insisted tickets for there, the kid. He insisted there was there. There was a whole production around that kid. So Yeah, and yeah. Hogan doesn't lie. So no, I, no, no, no. I'm sure you just missed it, dude. Yeah. I probably. Yeah, Hogan would never set off an episode uh, called Hogan Lies that is available on our podcast platforms. <laughs> well done, Adam. <laughs> All right, let's Happy get to the two. matches, Adam. We're going to start off with Money, Inc. Ted DiBiase and Irwin R. Scheister, along with Jimmy Hart, taking on LOD with Paul Elring. Was this with supposed Paul- to be the tag title match? Um, Yeah, I heard it was, but Hawk, I think it fucked up. Showed up drunk or... Failed a drug test. Some kind of hawk drama. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Because even in like the match posters, I think Money yes. Inc. are shown as the champions and Hawk and Animal look to be the challengers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But this chur- this just turned into like your run-of-the-mill opening tag team match. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it was fine. Um, I don't know. It was a fine match. IRS came out and at the beginning he said if the people, pay- if the people in England paid their share, they wouldn't bur- put the burden on the royal family. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was pretty cool he got heat for that um, yeah so he guess... had to find a way to work in a tax cheat joke to start yeah right match. in the England joke yes um, it gets started and Ted Ted Tibiasi was so great he takes a powder a powder before he even gets hit like he, right away he dives out of the ring fuck this well yeah and he also had like special SummerSlam gear for this because he was in his white trunks and he mm-hmm, rarely mm-hmm. wore anything aside from black trunks right right yeah um so he gets he starts getting double teamed outside. LOD like they're working like heels. They're like, oh, the match hasn't really started. They haven't even made contact. Let's just fucking go at him outside. Right. Oh, you know, we forgot their entrance. Oh, on the motorcycles. Yes, dude, that was amazing. They that all was came to cool. the ring on bikes. Um, yeah. Apparently, word on the street has it that Hawk was so hammered. Okay, so they mm-hmm. let him drive to the ring drunk. That's one. <laughs> Then, apparently what happened is he rested his bike up against Animal's. Unfortunately, Animal's leg was still resting on the side of his bike. Oh, right. So, Hawk's bike trapped Animal's leg in between the two motorcycles and actually fused Animal's ring gear to his leg. Yeah, the muffler was hot. Yes, and then he had to wrestle the match with his ring gear and part of his boot essentially welded to his leg. Yeah, right. Brutal, dude. I can't believe Animal made it through that match because I didn't notice him limping, moving awkwardly at all. He's just Nothing a trooper. stood out about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yep. he's a bad motherfucker. Dude, yeah. And then to find out later that Hawk was messed up and that Vince got pissed off at them, it's just like, man, watching back. I mean, as a kid watching this match, I obviously didn't notice anything. Even going back and watching it now, I maybe noticed a miscue towards the end of the match. But the match itself, I, I I didn't notice anything with Hawk. Okay, what was the miscue? Because I didn't catch that. Uh, towards the end of the match, it was that finisher part where I think Animal finished off DiBiase with a power slam. And he, he yeah, Hawk was kind of in the way, and I think Animal bumped into him. And that was oh, okay. the only okay. miscue that I noticed. Uh, aside from that, 
it seemed to really go off without a hitch. I didn't notice Hawk messed up, but I did hear the finish was supposed to be the Doomsday device, but because they didn't trust Hawk to hit that move, they changed it to the Power Slam finish. Okay, so he picked him up into it, but they didn't hit it. Correct, yeah. They they broke out of it, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was actually a pretty good match. It was a good way to start a show. A good um, opener, yeah, for sure. Good opener, yeah, good opener. Um, the worst part of it was that fucking Rocco was with him. Oh, man, that was... I, Ugh. That was the dumbest thing. You know, if you're going to put Rocco with uh, Legion of Doom, make it the cool Rocco. <laughs> you mean Rocco Rock from uh, Public Enemy? No, 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 no. <laughs> Shit. No. No, the porn star. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Understood. Yes. But I hated that fucking doll. Even when I was, <laughs> I would have been, let me see. I would have just turned 14 a couple weeks before the show. I mean, 14 isn't young, young. But even as a 14-year-old, I was like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, you, you growing up with the Road Warriors, they were some bad motherfuckers from Chicago. Yeah. And Vince decides in his cartoon world he's going to put a fucking ventriloquist dummy with them. Right. That's, like, that's exactly what he looked like. Okay. What kind of fucking drugs were they doing in the writer's room that said, hey, guys, <laughs> let's take this monstrous team that has face paint and spiked shoulder pads and a pretty good mouthpiece, and let's put a ventriloquist dummy with them and name it Rocco and put it in a leather jacket. What kind of shit were they on? Honestly, oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a party next to Vince's pool that day. I'm telling you, dude, I don't know what kind of drugs were being passed around, but to even come up with that idea, I don't yeah. know how that got formed. Fun fact, Adam, not to steal uh, your fun fact gimmick. Go for it. They did, in the Mattel WWF or WWE figure assortments, they did a line that had a Paul Ellering Build-A-Figure. One of the pieces of the Paul Ellering Build-A-Figure was Rocco. They've actually made a Rocco action figure. It's disgusting. I'm telling you, it's the worst. We can't get Owen Hart yet, but we got a Rocco. But you could, but you could get Rocco and you could get Goon. <laughs> and we can get the Goon. Thank you, Adam. Yes. Damn. No, I agree with you, Eddie. Rocco was an abomination. Just It Terrible. should be stricken from the record of wrestling forever. Right, they should give him, like, the Hogan treatment from a few years ago. Yes, make it invisible. Yeah, right, he was never here. We don't know who that is. Exactly. Andre just randomly picked himself up in the middle of the ring and slammed himself down. <laughs> Took a pin at WrestleMania three. We don't know what happened. <laughs> um, so after that, we get Flair in a backstage promo. He's pissed in a title match, or he's pissed that he's not in a title match. And he's he's sweating. He's so angry. Like, he's back there sweating. <laughs> Any guesses as to what was causing his sweating? Uh, no, a night of nature. Yeah. <laughs> That's called recovery mode. <laughs> well, I think he rode the train to Wembley. <laughs> oh, dude. Well done. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. He should have been nourished on the train. <laughs> I hear he ate well on that train ride. <laughs> <laughs> A little hair of the dog. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so he does his interview with me and Gene. Then you go to Virgil in the locker room getting interviewed by uh, Sean Mooney. And I just kind of laughed because I was like, Rick got fucking me and Gene. Virgil got Mooney. <laughs> like, you know where you stand. <laughs> at least he didn't get Lord Alfred. Uh, Could have been worse. I mean, he was at least entertaining. But here we go. He was on a mission. This is the second match of the card. It's Nails versus Virgil. Oh, good. In the fine tradition of second matches on the card, 
I hate to be one to ever prove Jericho right about anything, but dude, is he fucking onto something or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, apart from that, so this is not as good as Taka versus Aguila. Exactly. That's, and we that's haven't even gone bar. into the match yet. Right. We just which said is what who it is. Yeah, but, we're comparing every match to that match. Every yes, second match. To but that. still. Spoiler alert. But still, fair. <laughs> so the reason we did this pay-per-view is you were watching this a couple weeks ago, and you texted me and told me this, that, that this that Nails versus Virgil was a shitty second match of the show. Yes. And I was like, dude, if you're already watching it, you want to just do this pay-per-view since you already watched part of it? So that's where that came from was from this match. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I didn't hate this match, actually. And I'll tell you why. Nails beat the fucking shit out of Virgil. And this that's was why Nails, you enjoyed it? It was... Well, I mean, yeah, I always enjoy Virgil being destroyed. Yes. Um, It was Nails' first big match. He'd just gotten there. Like a couple months before, I think. I they think were building him. Match. Yeah. It did a great job of that. It looked a little sloppy, which made it actually look kind of real. You know what I mean? Like, not everything was perfect. Which was like, a good point. Okay. Like, I just that never bothered me. I don't, like, he's a I don't like watching that had technique or, or well, not. No, they had no technique. So right, he was more guy. like, that's what I meant. Or uh, like he was an authentic pr- prison writer. Not so forgivable if he was a bit sloppy. Yeah, right. It worked. Um, I never mind when, like if someone's brawling, if it looks a little like they're not cooperating because it looks real. I don't want to see someone botch a move. Or, and I don't want to see someone obviously cooperating, but when things just get a little sloppy when they're brawling on the mat or in the corner or whatever, that actually, to me, kind of adds a little bit to the match. And that's what this had. Um, Also, Nails could kind of move around. I was surprised. They did that thing where I think Nails sort of, he took him down or something and Nails just sort of like rolled over and got kind of got, just popped up. I was just a little impressed. I don't remember him being able to move that well. And, but there was nothing to the match. It was about two minutes long. And, um. Nails just choked him out. <laughs> and that's what it was. Yeah, a choke out and then Nails wins. Game over. Right, so it was not a good match by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it served its purpose purpose perfectly. Well, for Nails, yes. For Nails, well, and Virgil. Well, and what's funny is Virgil's big run was just like a year previous to this. Mm-hmm, Didn't he have like mm-hmm. the biggest match of his career at SummerSlam the year previous? And then now he's jobbing yeah. to Nails on the second match of the card? Right, right. <laughs> Poor Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> no, what am I talking about? He had they, got, they got a little run out of Virgil and they were done with him. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after the match, he chokes Virgil with a nightstick. And uh, who comes to rescue Virgil? Mm, nobody. My favorite, Tony Gurria. Oh, was that Tony Gurria? Oh, my gosh. Shots. Was he wheeling a stretcher? <laughs> I just had a big sip of White Claw. It was Tony Gurria because it's always Tony Gurria. That guy. Yeah, Vince's I know. I just, guy. I know. I, yeah, exactly. I just love when he pops up randomly. <laughs> um, so after that, we've got Lord, Lord Alfred, Alfred backstage. Hayes. Yep. He's looking for Mr. Perfect because there's this dumbass storyline where Mr. Perfect's going to be in the corner, in the corner of either Macho Man or Warrior, but we don't know who. Right. So he's back there like uh, Euchre looking for Vance White, trying to find Mr. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we get Sherry backstage uh, with, I think, with Mean, with Jean, mean Jean, and she's in that fucking outfit. I don't know that Sherry's ever looked better. She hasn't. Ever. This this was her master of puppets in terms of how <laughs> Sherry looked in her entire wrestling career. It was her seamstress's master of puppets. Dude. Sherry looked 
amazing at yeah. SummerSlam 92. Oh, she looked yeah. great at WrestleMania 7. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, she set it off at fucking SummerSlam 92, let me tell you. Right, right. If you're yeah. ever going to watch this pay-per-view, if, if you're on the fence, just watch it for this alone, Sherry. And this <laughs> oh, match. Yeah. Just watch it right. for this. Yeah, yeah. That would be uh, the segue into the match. Rick the Model versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, the stipulation, quote-unquote, is that uh, they both agreed to not hit each other in the face, according to Sherry. Per Sherry, yes. With, yeah, because Sherry is DTF. She wants right. to fuck both of these guys, and she doesn't want their faces damaged. Exactly. And by the way, there's already a rule that you can't hit each other in the face. Oh, that's true. Yes. Right? Punches to the face are, are illegal in wrestling. No closed fists. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, so oh, she just okay. she got them to agree to a rule. <laughs> that already exists. Okay. Good point, dude. Cool. Yeah. Um, the model, I, I'm watching this match, and dude, I love the model. Dressed in tennis gear. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's that's out there right. swinging a tennis racket, like doing like, the, he's got the, the sweater and the glasses and, he, and the shorts. He looks fucking awesome. Wimbledon was the month previous. Yep, exactly right. So they did like tied it in with that. And just... Rick Martel might be one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. It, yes. He's, he He's so fucking good. Totally agree with you, dude. And let's kind of go back a little bit that this match features two of the greatest singles and tag team performers in the history of the WWF. Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Total, I mean, at this point, not quite decorated as a singles guy yet, but almost won the tag team titles. Well, technically kind of did. Technically did. But, yeah. Had been an AWA tag team champion. Rick Martel, his resume speaks for itself. WCW television champion, AWA heavyweight champion, WWF tag team champion on two separate occasions. Right. With uh, Tito and with Tony Gurria. And with Tony Gurria. There Shots. you go. Shots. <laughs> so two very decorated guys to where when you look at this match on paper, abiding by the rule of no punching in the face aside... This should mm-hmm. have been match of the night. When you look at these guys' credentials on paper, this was going to be up there with Brett and Bulldog as maybe this steals the show. And I think it actually would have if it had been a regular match. Totally agree with you. Go at yes. it. Did they have a follow-up match like at Survivor Series? No. Uh-uh. This was it. It this was, was it? kind of a one-off. Yeah, a heel versus a heel. Because they didn't do that very often. I bet they fucking killed it on house shows. Oh, dude. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, um... I think Heenan, either either Vince or Heenan actually mentioned, like, this is going to be a great match. These guys are kind of the same size, kind of the same speed, um, sort of similar styles. So we're going to have a really good match. And exa- you're exactly right. Like, it could have been, it could have been like one of those classic HBK matches you talk about, which there are like 50 of. This could have been one of them, but it just sort of had the gimmick to it, which sort of handicapped it. But yeah, it, was it wasn't good. supposed to steal the show, but it could have. And had, it was Like still- you said, had they let them go. Right, right, exactly. Um, but what ended up happening was Sherry was the star of the match. Totally. The, the focus was 100% on Sherry. It was less totally. to do with HBK and the model and became all about Sherry. What's funny, yeah, dude, so is she... right off the bat, we get Bobby Heenan whistling Sexy Boy. Sexy Boy, yeah, exactly. He whistled the whole song. It was my favorite part of this pay-per-view. I'm going to be 100% honest. A lot of people talk about Brett and Bulldog. No. It was Bobby before Heenan this whistling. match. It was Bobby Heenan whistling Sexy Boy. 
it lifted my spirits, dude. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was like chicken soup for my soul. I loved it. It was so good. And then the as the... Sh- <laughs> I always liked the Sherry version of the song better. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I thought she was a yeah. decent singer. You know what I mean? Like, she was. she's a way better singer than Sean. When Sherry yes. left, Heenan Whistling should have been the song. I agree. Like, yes. you don't need you don't have to have lyrics. Everybody knows lyrics anyway. Just have Heenan sing whistle the song till for the rest of his for the next twenty years or okay. however many years. Interesting totally you bring agree. that up because I thought a, not just for him, but a bunch of wrestlers had uh, diff- it sounded like they had different uh, entrance music going in. You talk about HBK? No, like a bunch of them. I think uh, when we get to Undertaker, it sounded like someone was oh. It sounded like there was the actually an organ there. Yeah, Undertaker's music changed a lot over the years. It did. I mean, okay. And that uh, I, I forget which one, which other ones though. But it really, they really did sound different from what I understood was the music of '92. But anyways, get get back on track. But I didn't know Bobby Hina was a musician number one because he could whistle "Sexy Boy." Oh, but he's <laughs> also a, a predictor of the future because at one point he said. As Waddle was waving his tennis racket around in the ring, he goes, eat your heart out, Andre Agassi. The camera pans to Rick Martel. Rick Martel looks into the camera and says, eat your heart out, Andre Agassi. Oh, that's great. I didn't catch that. Dude, that I'm good? telling you. Heenan could that's do a- it all. And so, yeah, they, they both thought had the same thought. That's fantastic. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, Heenan was just so, so great. It starts out with a um, one of the ECW type dodge, dodge, dodge things, you know, that are really common now. This yes. might have been the first time I can remember seeing one of these things in WWE. Like, they, they happen all the time now. They happen on AEW a lot. Um, I think they happen too much. But um, And ECW, I think, is where that really became a thing. You know, yeah. blew up because they started doing it a lot. But um, they, you know, it was like a drop down, tackle, whatever the fuck, where nobody hits each other. And then they kind of right. stop and, like, pose in front of each other. Wait for the crowd to applause. And then Martel starts doing jumping jacks. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a fucking asshole. Yes. Um, and it's just like not much of a match. Not, you know, not a whole lot goes on. Um, you get um, Sean was down, and Rick came and hugged Sherry. I think Sherry got up on the apron. Yeah, is that what happened? Then you get a series of roll ups on each other, and every time one of them rolls the other one over, you see that one's ass. Y- yes, right, pulling the trunks. They're rolling each other over with the trunks. Vince loves it. This is the most fun Vince has ever had. Oh, he probably he told Sean all three Michaels. of them. He, he, he told all three before the match, look, all three of you are going to show your ass tonight. Yeah. So <laughs> Sherry wore the correct outfit because she had the cutout buttocks on hers. And then and HBK and Model just showed theirs during the match. Yeah, yeah. Vince so loved pretty it. Quickly, pretty quickly, it just devolves into them slapping each other. Right. Which, okay, these aren't, these aren't punches, so I guess the referee's not going to disqualify them. But Sherry freaks out. She's on the apron. She passes out. She's so upset about this. On the Quote, apron. Unquote, passes yeah, out she, right so sean goes out to she rolls off the apron sean goes out to check on her while he's checking on her martel comes and tosses him away like into the steps or something and martel goes straight for her tits he's like she needs cpr right now and i'm and he's qualified to fucking do it right through her nipples right through <laughs> yeah exactly um so they end up starting they end up fighting up the ramp sean and martel sherry's lay down they do a double count out and at one point, the camera's kind of shooting over her at them, and she lifts her head, and you find out she's not passed out. She's just pretending she is. Yeah, she has men fighting over her. She loves it. Right, yeah, and she's just, but she wants them to stop hitting each other in the face. Right. 
and it's not working. So they're fighting up the ramp. Eventually, you get Dave Hebner, you get Rene Goulet, Patterson, and um, uh, J.J. Dillon come and break them up. And I thought, why didn't they send out Tony Gurria to break them up? <laughs> it wouldn't it have been funny if Tony Gurria came out and took a shot at Sean because he's fighting his old tag team partner. <laughs> Dude, I thought this would have been great if you put Benny Hill music to it. Oh, my God. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that. The entire end of it, like in fast forward, and you just put Benny Hill music to it. Because then it oh, turns yeah. into a fiasco That's what... of like sh- of like Sean carrying Sherry back. Rick right. comes out, hits him. He carries Sherry back. Sean hits him from behind. Sean starts carrying Sherry back. Then Rick Martell comes out of the bucket of water. Like Knocking Sherry down clown. each time. It, it, yeah, exactly. Like Sherry takes a dump every time, like hits the, hits the floor. <laughs> and right. then it basically ends with her taking water. And yet none face. of those woke her up, but the water did. Yes. Oh, and Vince is loving every minute of this too. He's, well, he's loving every minute of it because Martel's got him slung over her shoulder with that, uh, her ass cut out of her pants. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, by the way, I got to say, I loved it too. I was a, I was fourteen years old. Dude, my tape, my VHS of that had pause marks on it. <laughs> All right. Which I might have, I might have mentioned that fact on uh, another episode. I think you did. There were only like three I, second pauses, though. I have a, yeah. I have a few quick <laughs> notes. Uh, once she, once she faints, Bobby says. I, I know a woman, or I know when a woman faints, believe me. <laughs> How? I don't want him to get into any further context. And then he, and then he no, says... No, he and Bill Cosby were good friends, oh, so they knew. Fucking A. Uh, he also says, give her mouth-to-mouth restitution. <laughs> <laughs> so, save mouth-to-mouth and then give her some money? Ooh, ouch! Uh, we love as, you, Bobby. As uh, HBK is carrying her out on his shoulders, Vince goes, "Is that Jupiter, Bobby? Nope, that's the moon." <laughs> that was great plan. He set joke. it up, and Bobby hit it out of the park. Great plan, Every joke, time. but should have said Uranus. Missed opportunity. <laughs> oh yeah, good call. That's too but, easy, though. Come on, that's too easy. But if they're setting up an no. obvious joke like that, I mean. You might as well. No, Adam's Adam's right. Uranus would have been funnier. That would have been better. You're right. And then uh, just like how uh, uh, Scott said, the Benny Hill music with them fighting over Sherry up the ramp. uh, I was picturing the episode of South Park where they're detectives uh, for small crimes. And then they keep fighting with the other kids who claim to be the FBI. And then they actually get recruited to South Park PD, and then the actual FBI shows up. It's like, I'm going to save her. No, I'm going to save her. I'm the crime fighter. I'm the crime fighter. That's what I was picturing. But, Eddie, you're totally right. This became less about HBK and the model Mm -hmm. and really became a match about Sherry, which at the end of the day, I'm totally okay with that. Sherry was fucking great. So, yeah, I have no problem with that either. Yeah, she really was. And these were two heels, so, I mean... Who were you really going to get over in this anyway? Well, I I forgot to mention that. It was a heel match, which you never had heel matches back then. Ever. So exactly. Nobody was going to get cheered. It was weird that they booked it, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you might as well just make a big fucking spectacle of it. And, and send Sherry exactly out in the thong. Did. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, and why the fuck isn't Rick Martel in the Hall of Fame? Thank you. That's ridiculous. I mean, if yeah. there's a guy... I always think the biggest omission to the Hall of Fame as of right now is Slick... But I watched this and I was like, it might be Martel. Like maybe Martel. Like if I could pick one guy, I might pick Martel. He might be my first pick, you know? Uh, for me, it's Demolition as one. 
Okay. And Rick Martel is number two. That guy could have been an IC champion in that era. In fact, maybe oh, he yeah. should have. He should have. He he absolutely should have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. he was right yeah. there, but he his was character, incredible. He was he was a top of the mid card guy, mm-hmm. and he's one of those names you throw out in that uh, mid mid nineties era, early to mid nineties era that didn't get decorated but should have, either by tag exactly. team championship or IC title. Like he was right there. And I see a lot of him in Angel Garza. Like about a year, year and a half ago, yeah. I was like, Angel Garza reminds me of Ric Flair, and I hope he ends up having that good of a run. And now they put him with Umberto, and I hope that goes well. But um, I think that guy has unlimited fucking potential. Totally agree. I yeah. totally agree with you. Yep. All right. Okay, let's move on. Backstage, it's the Nasty Boys. Of course, boys. we spent 20 minutes on the match with the ass showing. Did we really? Asses. asses. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's an ass right there. Great ass! Might as well. Backstage, it's the Nasty Boys, Jimmy Hart. Uh, They're claiming that uh, they're going to go to the Queen of England to get their tag title shot. Nasty Boys are fucking idiots. But this was supposed to tease tension between Jimmy Hart, the Nasties, and um, Money Inc. Honestly, I didn't pay attention to what they were saying. (laughs) I hate the Nasty Boys. That's Uh, all this was. It was just teasing tension in the Hart family. Okay. All right. In that case, moving on then. Uh, This is for the WWF Tag Team Titles. The Beverly Brothers with the Genius taking on the Natural Disasters, who are the champions entering. And my first note is, oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) In regards to the Beverly Brothers or the Natural Disasters? Both. I don't like (laughs) The Natural Disasters suck. Um... (laughs) Okay, they, turned get, tug, look, they, look. they took Tugboat and made him Typhoon, which was even stupider than naming him after a boat. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you're going like full honesty here, because yeah. I actually went and blasted a two during this match. I just listened to the commentary to hear what was going on. I didn't pause it, dude. I was just like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, so here's the highlight of the match. Um, I put Here's my notes. I'll just give you my notes. Oh, good. At least we get a poem, because um, the genius <laughs> the wrote genius a poem. The genius was there, yes. I don't get the Beverly Brothers. Never really understood their gimmick. They're from Typhoon Ohio. Is the on- um, Typhoon is the only name dumber than Tugboat. They couldn't name him after a cooler boat. <laughs> then like I have in quotes. Like what? Like Titanic? <laughs> yeah, Titanic. Or like a, um, like a battleship or something, you know? They're a schooner. Um, <laughs> I'm wasting my time watching this, and I'm probably going to waste listeners' time by talking about this. Good point. Then I have in quotes, Shawn Michaels has left Wembley Stadium. Bobby Heenan read that announcement, and that was the best part of the match. Dude, I had the same exact note. That is the best part of this match. Yeah, and then my last note was, this wasn't bad. They actually all worked hard. I just didn't fucking care. Well, yeah, especially when you have what should have been the tag title matches, Money, Inc. versus LOD. Mm -hmm. But this becomes your tag title match. That's kind of a step down. Yeah. I mean, both sides of it are a step down. So, eh, it was what it was. It was fine. But it right. shouldn't have been the tag title match. Just my opinion. Right. Yeah. My one... So, back... Oh. oh, go ahead. My one note about this, there was this one part at the beginning of the match where Earthquake and Typhoon sandwiched the brothers uh, off the ropes and then sandwiched them together in the middle, just knocking them down. Vince says, uh, talk about your Earl of Sandwich. Oh, Damn. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I should have gone all the way to San Jose to... Get myself uh, some Earl of Sandwich. Is that a thing? 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, I dude. never heard of that. It's also at Planet Hollywood in Vegas and uh, Downtown Disney. I'm sure there are other notable locations, but at least in this region, those are the ones. All right. I'm sure it, Bailey goes there. I'm sure she does. And she, um, they get so her order wrong. Get, she calls them a sheep. All right, go ahead. Um, we get Mean Gene with the Bushwhackers. Gene makes a teeth joke because the Bushwhackers have no teeth. And I'm just watching the promo, and I'm like, I love these fucking guys. They were so great. <laughs> they were so. They, I mean, they still make me laugh. They're kind of like I put on Beavis a butthead now, and it's still like as funny as it was when I was 14. That's how the Bushwhackers are to me. Like, I still love the Bushwhackers. Totally agree. Yeah, and Butch said something about he's going to go sit on the royal throne, and Luke said, make sure to bring something to read. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid-ass joke. Before the days of cell phones. Yeah. And then you get Lord Alfred. Now he's at Warrior's dressing room trying to talk to him, and there's a Warrior logo on the door that I swear was drawn with crayon. It was colored in with crayon. Oh, here's a fun fact about that. You know who did that? I was assuming a, a 12-year-old Stephanie McMahon. No, it was the kindergarten or the, the, class the Hulkster that in put heaven? together the WCW sets. <laughs> who, wait, who, who did? <laughs> it was the kindergarten class that put together the WCW sets in the late oh, 80s. okay, okay. That's who did the Ultimate Warrior face paint for that one. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I thought it might have been the dead Hulkamaniac right before his death. <laughs> no, it was the kid who said British Bulldog was going to win no matter what. Yeah, he brought an Ultimate Warrior cartoon, like, crayon thing. <laughs> Thank you, Eugene. I guess there's not a Kinko's in London that they could have printed that out at. <laughs> that was the best they could do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, out, Lord Alfred tries to open the door and uh, Warrior just slams it shut. Do- Are we sure Prince Andrew didn't have one of his kids make that? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Too soon? No, no. Okay. No, no, that's a strong joke. <laughs> Uh, after that, we have Crush versus Repo Man. Yay. <laughs> Repo Man's in the ring, and he's great, as always. Crush is walking to the ring, and I'm like, I think Repo Man repossessed Crush's charisma. Oh, dude. All right, look. I've got a couple notes on this. First okay. off, Repo Man was Tajiri before Tajiri was Tajiri. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was lurking. He was very good at lurking and being sneaky. Number two, Crush... While I would not put him on the model's level, has me questioning why Crush was never a champion. I mean, he was a tag team champion at one point, but he was like the third member of Demolition because Axe's back was fucked. Right. But Crush had the look. He had the connection with the fans. He was athletic as all hell. He had everything Vince wanted in someone, but he was never a champion. And I'll never understand why. I thought that he was great in this match. He showed off what he could do. I loved it because it was two former Demolition members going at it. It was Smash and Crush. Right. Yeah, which I thought, why not just make them Demolition members going at each other? Yeah, exactly. Like, why couldn't you? But I guess you're kind of pulling back the curtain too much for that era. You don't want to be like, oh, Repo Man is Smash. Well, no, but it could have been been Smash and Crush. Yeah, but you already had Repo Man as a character. Well, we could have not done that. (laughs) It's a good point. Could you I'm imagine not sure how a world necessary that Repo was? Man, though? I mean, well, Crush had some bad booking. I thought, like, I mean, dude, he looked. He comes to the ring. He's in like purple and orange and yellow. Yeah, but that uh, was which, the time frame, dude. 
I guess he looks like Rainbow Sherbert with a mullet. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I guess that was acceptable in 1992, but he didn't it look was. cool. Neon colors were the shit in the early 90s, dude. Yeah, they were. Yeah, maybe I'm just remembering differently. I don't know. Yeah, remember hyper colors? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was um, all those bright neon co- and body glove, like it was all. And Crush fit that bill. Like he looked like an early '90s character, but he could go in the ring. Right, right. He just—it it seemed to me he had everything Vince looked for, mm-hmm. but he was never given that run as a champion. And I think ultimately what derailed him was WrestleMania Nine, losing against Doink. That didn't do him any favors, and I think <laughs> that, that ultimately. Help. Yeah, I think that ultimately fucked a singles run. And then they right. kind of just lost track of what to do with him after the fact, and he was just done. Right. But... You when, yeah, when Shitty Krusty the Clown beats you, you're kind of <laughs> over. Yes. Crappy Joker. Yeah, right. Yep, um, I got you. Not a lot happened in the match. It was pretty basic, pretty quick. Crush it missed really a was. knee from the top rope, which I was like, that's a big fucking dude to do that. Yep. Um, so like you said, he was really athletic. And um, he caught... Um, What's his name? Repo, Repo came man. off the top rope. He caught him at a power slam. Yeah. And then he did that crush, you know, the head crush. Whatever. The crusher. What did he call that move? He called it the crusher. The co- Wasn't it the Kona crush? I think it was the Kona crush. Oh. Or yeah, that might have been his unless that's, I Unless that's all I heard Vince say. Maybe but, yeah. maybe at this point it was the crusher, but they changed it. Okay. Um, that was a fucked up move. Dude, it was. Um, yeah, it was. And as soon as it's over, they cut to an overshot. Uh, overhead shot and Repo's just walking away like he just got up and walked off like he didn't <laughs> sell fine. that move for shit yeah he no. just got up and left <laughs> but he was like was Hercules like, after taking that powerbomb from Sid at that house show yeah, he just got exactly, right up and walked yeah, away ex- that's exactly what it reminded me of like he's like oh well I gotta meet Nate at the bar after the show yeah, Arnold Scullin's there <laughs> also with an immediate graphic of Ico Pro <laughs> like right after that win <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Which I'm almost surprised they haven't edited those out. Man, it, it's such a staple of that early '90s wrestling, though. Like, I'm so happy they yeah. leave those in. I mean, me too. But um, just shows I'm you surprised. what the '90s were like, or what uh, WWF '90s were like. Well, yeah. it's another it's Vince world. failure. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, and we go over that in the Vince failures episode on uh, available on the podcasting. Platforms. I think we, I think we might have mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, we definitely did. Uh, next up, Mean Gene uh, intros a video package that will eventually lead up to the main event, just showing the back and forth uh, with Macho Man and Warrior and why Ric Flair is involved. And then there's an, an event where literally both of them get the chocolate beat out of them, along with the Nasty Boys. It's, it's weird. It was a bad video package. Yeah. It really was. It was more like a snuff film. <laughs> they laid waste to Warrior and Savage. So this is the match where Warrior, we and we... Um, I'll make sure to upload the fashion show episode before this one. Okay. This is the one where Warrior was dressed like a skinless man. The ga- I guess like he'd been... Like the he, Gaga like meat, hide had been taken. The Gaga meat dress filleted. spandex. <laughs> yeah, he'd been filleted. Yeah, he looked like that. Remember that thing, that uh, Invisible Man model you buy in the 80s where you can see all the dude's organs? Remember that? <laughs> yes. It was like that clear plastic dude, and you can yep. see everything inside a human body. That's what Warrior looked like. <laughs> totally. In this. He's, in, he's in a singlet, so he actually put on more clothes to look like he's wearing less clothes. 
Right. But what's funny is in the video package, the singlet he was wearing in that tag team was, match looked like he was wearing absolutely nothing. It looked like yeah. flesh with paint on it. Yeah, like he had warrior face paint over his dick, buttocks, and chest. Right. And it made it look like he had a tiny fucking dick, which I assume from the steroids he did. Well, it would make sense, yes. I mean, it was a tiny warrior logo. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's a grower, not a shower. I don't know. <laughs> the less we talk about Warrior's dick, the better. Let's move on. <laughs> that right, that goes right. into the official uh, match for the WWF title, Macho Man uh, versus Warrior. Macho Man is the champion entering. Earl Hebner is the referee. Both are uh, wearing distinct pink and yellow, but yeah, Warrior has his Gaga meat dress spandex on. <laughs> um. Warrior takes control early and does a bunch of fucking nothing. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, he's working Macho Man over, but he's not really doing anything. He's, like, kind of pretending to punch him badly. And I think he shoots him into the ropes and kicks him or some shit. He's not really doing anything. And I'm like, well, that's Warrior. He couldn't really do anything. Nope. He was holding form. Yeah. And then Macho uh, grabs Warrior's tights and shoots him into the buckle. And he kind of takes over. But then he comes off the top rope. Warrior catches him and he does all of his moves. And that takes about two seconds. <laughs> and then he goes into a um, bear hug, right? He goes into a bear hug. He's like, like, hey, rest second. hold, brother. Yeah, he goes into a rest hold for like a couple seconds. Pins Macho Man for a two, and then he takes forever to get up. And I'm like, Warrior's blown the fuck up. Dude. From doing all three of his moves. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. Or either that or he's selling for no reason. You know, maybe he was... Just clueless enough that he thought it was time to sell after giving someone a bear hug? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one, dude. But it goes, what, 10 or 12 minutes and then finally flare. Because, like, the whole thing with this match, it seemed to be less about Warrior and Savage having a title match than it was, like, whose corner is Mr. Perfect going to be in? It was, exa- it was like the Sean and Martel match. Exactly. There were, like, outside Without circumstances the that became bigger than the match itself. Right, and so I had actually totally forgotten about that angle with those two until watching the video package. Because when they're doing the backstage shit, I'm like, what's going on? You know, I don't really know what's happening. Right. So it turns, yeah, it turns out that you're not sure. They said Perfect was going to be in one of their corners, but they didn't say who. And Perfect comes out in a tuxedo, which didn't make any sense. Like, he's going to come out and help someone in a tuxedo. But Flair comes out with his robe and his trunks. I would totally wear that tuxedo, by the way. What? I would totally wear that tuxedo, by the way. It was a good tuxedo, yeah. It, was, it said Mr. Perfect and Glittery on the back. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was amazing. Um, yeah, so then we get a bunch of shit where they pretend they're helping this person and help that person. Like, Macho hits the ropes and they trip him. Yeah. Then you get a ref bump, and then Macho is taking care of Earl, and then they gang up on Warrior. And it just, from there, it just continues to get more and more convoluted. I actually hated this fucking match. <laughs> Really? So would you rather watch their WrestleMania 7 match? Totally, yeah. I think I've yeah. said before, I think that's Warrior's best match. Um, uh, it's either that or his SummerSlam match against Rick Rude. I think that was... Rude, the one with Rude was really good, too. It's, yeah. Yeah, you're I totally agree. It's one of the two. Yeah. Um, I'd way rather watch that because this just became a mess. It was a big fucking mess. You don't know what's going on. None of it made sense. Yeah, it was trash, dude. That whole part, like, it was fine, I think, up until Flair and Perfect entered it. And then it became exactly. this whole thing is whose side is, is Perfect and Flair on? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, maybe, I probably, I don't really remember, but I'm sure at the time I was all caught up in it because I was caught up in the angle. Of course. But going back and watching it now, it does not work. Um, Warrior went for a press slam and legit dropped Macho Man. 
Fuck. Did you catch that? Dude, and he probably didn't even care. He's like, oops. Oh, yeah, oops, I did it again. God damn it. Yeah. Um, so Macho eventually ends up losing by count out. And then he gets his ass kicked by Flair and uh, Perfect then and they, the Warrior runs him off. And they start applying uh, all the leg attacks and put figure four on him. But they waited, yeah. they waited until the match was over. Right, yeah, it, and that actually set up what was going to happen next and that Flair did ultimately beat Macho Man because of the attacks on the leg at him. Ooh, got it. Yeah, okay. so I just, I thought it was too many bells and whistles. It was yes. way too long and it was Agreed. way too slow. Um, the big takeaway from me, though, it really showed how incredible Warrior was because you have Macho Man, Flair, and Mr. Perfect all in one match, and it was bad. You, are you saying that's because of Warrior? You because of Warrior, no one's ever been pulled. No one's ever pulled off making those three guys have a bad match before. <laughs> okay, also, so- Vince yelled the entire fucking time. This was the worst part of Vince for the entire show. So, do you think the match would have gone off? Because there's a th- there's rumblings out there that before this match took place, yes, the plan was Warrior was going to turn heel mm-hmm. and go with Flair and Perfect, and Warrior would have won the title in this match. I'm wondering right. if this event takes place in Baltimore instead of England. Yeah, right. And it becomes the main event of that show. Do you have a WrestleMania 17 ending? At SummerSlam 92, where Warrior walks off with the heels and leaves the face laying in the ring, battered and destroyed. Or do you send him home happy and Warrior and Savage both stay good guys, Warrior wins the belt, or Savage remains champion? I'm wondering how that plays out differently with if they change the venue back to Baltimore. So from what I read, it was nothing to do with where it was or where on the show the uh, match went. It was Warrior. Warrior showed up and was like, nope. Like, as of the day of the show, that was still the plan. Warrior showed up and said, no, I'm not turning fucking heel. I changed my mind. Could you imagine? And that's, and that's why it became... So, apparently, the original finish was, was going to be that they were on Warrior's side. It turned out that they were like, no... This is why it didn't make sense. It turned out that they were on neither of their sides. Flair was just pissed that he didn't get a title match. If right. you're pissed you don't get a title match and you're going to do some shit like this, just fucking jump Warrior before the match and tell him to put you in the match. Yeah, or do a run-in on both guys afterwards and like... Now you're the next challenger, which they kept talking about a plan B post-match in an interview. Like, you didn't know what that was at the time. But it, it just, all of these shenanigans and shit just really detracted from what was supposed to be the main event in Baltimore. And just like you said, it was just kind of a disappointment at the end of the match. It was just like, this was kind of garbage. And we saw them, we saw Macho and Warrior have a good match before. So it could have been another really good match. It really could have been. And you thought Warrior had Savage's number. So even if you had just gone clean, Macho Man pins Warrior. That would have worked as well, but man, they they right. worked so hard to protect Ultimate Warrior, and mm-hmm. the more you hear about him, you're just like, why? He, exactly, yeah. I don't know because Hogan was gone. Yeah, they needed somebody, I guess. In the they needed somebody. Just... They needed a baby face, but why not turn Macho Man baby face and have him be the top guy? Yeah, exactly. Someone I mean, who's they a had fucking a good professional. Thing Right, Macho Man wouldn't pull show up and pull some shit like that. Fuck no, he was old school at you the know. end of the day, dude. Warrior was just all about himself. So, mm-hmm. man, I don't know why they tried so hard to just give Warrior everything he wanted. I mean, to show up the day of the show and be like, I mean, if that's true, be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. 
Yeah. By the way, whose stupid ass idea was it to turn him heel anyway? You know what I mean? How do you turn a guy like that heel? That so doesn't I think make that, any damn sense. I actually think Warrior made. <laughs> I actually think Warrior made the right decision. He just did it in the worst possible fucking way. Totally. Absolutely. You know, like Warrior yes. was right, but he was just a big fuck up. Yeah, he did and it the he, wrong way. Yeah. Um, and this was probably Macho Man's worst match. I would agree with that. It's the only Macho Man match I've ever watched where I was like, man, that match sucked. Yeah, totally agree with yeah. you, dude. One, la- yeah. one last takeaway is that when uh, Perfect and Flair uh, come out to watch in the ring, they're on the side of the ring, not near any of the posts. So he also technically was not physically in anyone's corner. This is true. Good point. Okay. Adam. Okay. Good point. Fuck. Not as funny as I thought, but you know what? It was worth a no. goddamn try. <laughs> no, I wish I had a bomb sound effect. I can edit one in. I could. <laughs> that should actually be like one of the sound effects that are always on cue. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. I do have one empty slot left on the recorder. Perfect. <laughs> then we have a back, uh, backstage segment in the showers. Uh, with, you get Mean Gene is reprimanding Perfect and Flair. <laughs> I was totally expecting just one of the other wrestlers just to come out and like, whoa, there is full on penis. <laughs> <laughs> no, Flair took care of that. He was helicoptering. We're good. <laughs> yeah. And drunk fact, there were no stabbings in that shower that night. That is a fun fact. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> With fun. Scissors or otherwise. Oh God. <laughs> um so uh oh go ahead and get to the next, next match. Next match is uh Kamala versus the Undertaker. Harvey Whippleman uh intros Kamala, Undertaker uh enters uh firemanning the back of a hearse and Paul Bearer is in front. Uh and Bobby the Brain points out that the this is in fact uh in London, England, that the driver is on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he called him an idiot. Yeah, because he had a steering wheel on the wrong side. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look at that idiot. Um, Still, that yeah. When Fink is doing his announcement, they're at like a long shot, so you see the whole stadium and the ring is tiny in the center of the screen. You can't see who's there. You just hear Fink, and when he says "Doctor," I got excited because I thought he was going to say the Doctor of Style, Slick. Yes, and then he followed up with Doctor Harvey Whippleman. I was so disappointed. Yeah, how dare Harvey Whippleman steal Slick's gimmick? Well, he didn't steal his gimmick. He used to carry, remember, he carried around that doctor bag. <laughs> like, he would do, like, house calls and shit. Um, right. But, I mean, because Slick was the doctor of style. Like, he was not a medical doctor. Har- uh, Harvey Whippleman apparently claimed to be a medical doctor. It, the bag explained it, right. Yeah, exactly. But I was just kind of like, ah, oh, damn, dude. I thought we were going to see Slick. Because I don't really remember exactly when he left. Um, I guess he probably left before this because he would have had to have been there. But he came back around 94. 94- 93 and he as like, the reverend yeah as the reverend like he changed Kamala right he turned yeah, come on, yeah he turned Kamala a baby face yeah exactly <laughs> yeah then he was like a sympathetic savage oh, right right <laughs> um this would have been the first was this the first match of their feud I believe it was, yes. Because I think this feud ended in a casket match at the Rumble, right? Uh, no, I think it was Survivor Series, wasn't it? Or Survivor Series, okay. That's sooner yeah. than I thought. I thought it was the Rumble. Series okay. 92. I think that's where they had the casket match to end um, the feud. 
So, I didn't like this match. I didn't either, dude. I agree with you. Yeah, and I thought, I actually felt like the crowd kind of in the previous match was sort of on my side. Like, they were just sort of left confused. Yes. And I thought if Undertaker came out and just had a pretty good match and just beat the fucking shit out of Kamala, that could have been the match they needed at this point to pick the crowd back up before the main event. But Yes. They popped um, for Taker when he came out, but you're right. During the match, there was pretty much a lull. Yeah, right. And the, that was, and I know it's the piss break match. It might have gotten his time cut. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't supposed to be a 20 minute match in the first place, but it could have done a. I don't know. I felt like there was potential for this match, and Kamala was good. Kamala could work. Um, yes, but it was just kind of a bullshit match. I don't even remember who won. <laughs> Kamala won, didn't he? Or no, fucking... Taker won by DQ. Take her one by DQ, yeah. Yeah, it should have um, gone on earlier, and Alundra Blaze should have squashed somebody in this match. That would have been good. That would have been good. Or did they have any other British people on the um, roster at that point? Because um, that would have been a good time for that. I don't think they did. Lord Alfred Hayes? <laughs> yeah, Could've that would have been cool. beat up Harvey Whippleman or some shit? Oh, that would have been great. Actually, If Lord Alfred go, was like so overly pissed, why can't I find out who's behind the... Who uh, Perfect is going to be with? I'm going to rip someone's head off or something like that. Dude, that would have been great. Taker wins by DQ. Kamala jumps him. Harvey Whippleman gets involved. Alfred Hayes comes out in his tuxedo and like grabs uh, Whippleman and tosses him into the barricade. Yes. And did you notice that Harvey Whippleman insulted uh, Howard Finkel before the match started? And that basically was the precursor to their tuxedo matches that ended up taking place later. Oh, God. No, I didn't catch that. Um, What did he say? (laughs) He just insulted him. Basically told him okay. to get the fuck out of my space and give me that microphone. Something to that effect. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't catch that. But um, That was kind of the precursor to their feud. Probably would have been better if that didn't happen. I completely agree with you. <laughs> completely um, agree with you. So we go backstage. Bulldog does a uh, promo. He's in a weird room. Now, they've always had those... Um, I think I've mentioned before how they used to do Saturday Night's Main Event. They'd always do interviews in front of the blue lockers. Yes. Um, and the telephone was there. And I thought every, I was a kid, I thought every arena in the country, the locker room looked the same. I had no idea that was a set until I was like 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see So now. I'm looking at this and I'm wondering if it's the same thing. Is this a set or is this a real room? Behind him is a bulletin board, like the kind of bulletin board, you know, when you have at work, the bulletin board that has like the minimum wage poster yep. and all that mm-hmm. shit, like every business has that. It kind of looks like that, but there's a flyer on it for a company called JB McDougal Limited. I Googled JB McDougal Limited because I'm wondering if it's a real thing or this is a set. That is a company that makes flame retardant textiles for stage sceneries hmm. in London. Um, so huh. it was a real it was a real bulletin board. It was a real flyer. Uh, that company must have done some kind of production for something there and hung their flyer up in the back. And that's where Bulldog did his interview in front of. Very interesting. And this is why you are a drunk wrestling historian. That's and right. And they did it right. uh, for Bulldog's interview, not Brett's interview. Get the... Yeah, that's right. I don't that know if sense. any thought went into that, but it's possible. But um, I don't know what Bulldog said, because I was Googling this during his promo. Uh, he basically told Brett, I'm not going to know you Okay. when we get into the match. I've never met you. Okay. In essence, like, you're not my brother-in-law during this fight. Right. Okay. But, that makes sense. But he ends it by saying, but at the end of the match, I hope we're still family. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. 
Yes. Um, then they go to Brett, and Brett did a great promo. Yes, he did. And I was like watching. I'm like, damn, Brett, his promos were underrated. He was never known as a promo guy. And you know what? If he was a little shittier in the ring, maybe he would have been known as a promo guy. Because the promos were actually really good. It's just he was so good. His matches were so good that he could have gotten away with less out of his promos. And I think people just kind of overlook his promos. He was really good. Like, I'm watching it, and I believed every word he said. Yeah, it was a strong promo. You're right, dude. It was, yeah. Um. So, going into it, we have the whole thing where Bulldog, and I didn't know this until they did this angle. I don't know if you did, but Bulldog was married to Brett's sister. Yes. Who you think is ugly for some reason. Oh, and dude, she proved again that you should not put a microphone in front of her during a show. Oh, dude. So they go to the ring. So before the match, um, <laughs> Sean Mooney's interviewing her. They're out of focus, first of all, which was weird. And she was struggling. Sean Mooney interrupted her like two or three times because she was just dying out there. Like she just was oh, uncomfortable, dude. nervous. They should have, you're exactly right. They should have never put a microphone in front of her. Oh my God. It was, it sh- it was ugh, dude, it was like a charisma vacuum. It pulled all the yeah. momentum out of the show. You're like, please get her off camera. This is awful. And eventually the bell just rings and the Fink starts going into his announcement. I think someone backstage just called it. You know, just fucking get the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have that rather kind of seen thing. them interview Stu. <laughs> or have him yeah, just right. stare into the camera blankly for three minutes instead of yeah, listening to Diana cool. talk. <laughs> yeah, it should have been a video package because the angle was great. It was, dude. So I know why they interviewed her, but they should have either either been a video package or like a pre-tape. You know, don't interview her in the in the arena. Interview her backstage. Yes. So you can edit it or at least give her a second give her chance. But she tries. just nervous. Yeah. Yep. So it was just bad. Deer in the headlights. That's what this yeah. was. Just no kind of clue on what to do. Mm-hmm. And that takes us into the main event. The main event is for the Intercontinental Championship. British Bulldog versus Bret Hart. He is the champion entering. First and off, Bulldog comes out with Lennox Lewis. Yeah, and then they plug this match later in the uh, later in the match. And then he went straight back to the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Also, his money. Stay, also before this, stay out there, he just split. Before this, uh, uh, some bagpipes uh, playing out there. With the company of Rowdy Roddy Piper. I forgot about that. I skipped that. Dressed in his uh, great England pink, playing the bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, it was completely random. Like, you heard the music, you're like, oh, that's Piper's music. And yeah. then they introduced him, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, Um, that was called those, uh, the band was called the Balmoral Highlanders. And while they are playing, Bobby Heenan said it sounded like someone pulled the tail off a cat. <laughs> Damn. And apparently he, I never knew this Heenan or not Heenan song. Uh, Piper's song was called Scotland the Brave. I never knew that. I did not know that either. Yeah, um, bagpipes are the weirdest instrument, but they're actually really cool. Like I really like the sound of bagpipes, but they're just a bizarre, bizarre instrument. And um, yeah, I usually don't like musical performances, but this was delightful. Yeah, it was cool, dude. It was cool. Yeah. It was completely yeah, was cool. random, like the timing of it, but mm-hmm. it was cool. It was the piss break, I guess. I guess they made that the piss break instead of Undertaker. <laughs> I don't know that it was long enough to be a piss break. No, it was short. That's true. It was pretty short. Yeah. A quick piss um, break. So they announced Davey as being from Leeds, but he was always from Manchester, right? That's what I thought. Yeah, I thought that was weird. And I'm sh- like, I know those cities are relatively close. 
to everything is close in England because it's like the size of Idaho. But, um, I mean, they're totally different cities, so I thought that was kind of weird. Hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, about the entire match? That's, that's No, what... no, about that. <laughs> about <Davey>. um, <laughs> the some, cunt is, some cunt is blowing a whistle at the beginning of the match. Oh, dude. And I mean cunt in the English way, you know? Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, it was so fucking annoying for the first minute of the match. And then there was the douche with the um, air the horn. Air horns. Yep. Which Again, I forgot to mention earlier. Chant, let's go. That was yeah. Uh, and he blew that air horn through the whole fucking show. It drove me nuts. It was like watching the World Cup a few years ago, and they kept blowing those vuvuzelas or whatever the fuck they were called. That, exactly those that. long horns. Oh god, it got so annoying. Yeah, it was. It was obnoxious. Yeah. Well, I t- I texted you about it, and you were you said something about fans from uh, soccer matches, and I was like. Well, at least they're not fucking fighting and throwing shit. and Yeah, or throwing hammers straight up in the air. (laughs) Right. It could have been worse, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, So right away, the very first thing we get out of this match is that Davey is much, much stronger than Brett. That's sort of established immediately. Yes. Um, I think think they lock up and he pushes him to the corner hard. And then... um, Pretty much right away, they start going for fast pins. Like, really, Brett, Brett's going for fast pins. And he locks a headlock on him. <laughs> and they go to a close-up of Diana. Bobby, did you, did you hear what Bobby Hina said? No. Who's that? Mike McGurk? Oh, I did catch that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was so good. Because it was just random. You're like, when the fuck would he say that? But it was hilarious. I don't even know if Mike McGurk was still in the Federation at that point. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure, yeah. Um, and then... Um, Vince made a terrible joke. The pound isn't the only British thing that's taking a beating. And uh, Bobby Hina says, oh, you mean the pound where Bulldog lives? <laughs> nice recovery there for Vince, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but Brett starts kind of working like a heel, not like cheating, but he's got like a heelish mean streak to him. You know And he's I mean? getting booed. So that's, that's kind booed. of adding to it. Yeah. Right. Davey breaks out of the headlock that Brett has him in, hits the ropes, and he takes a hard elbow, and the crowd boos the shit out of Brett. Yep. And it's like, obviously, Bulldog's going to be the face there. They're going to boo Brett anyway. But Brett kind of leans into it, but not not so hard that he's going to... He's not going full heel where he can't come back from it by the end of the match. You know what I mean? Right. But he's making you want him to lose even more. Kind of like The Rock and Hogan, where Ho- where Rock yes. turned into the heel. That's exactly the end what of the I was going to equate it to. Yeah, you're totally yeah, right. Yeah, by the end of the match, you still love The Rock because he didn't cheat or kick him in the dick or anything like that. Right. Um, and then a really cool move Bulldog's on the floor Brett jumps over the top rope and he hits that Randy Orton style inverted backbreaker on him from over the top rope yeah that catches him in that move yep. that was fucking awesome I've never seen that before yeah that was cool especially for 1992 totally and he didn't use the wrong arm like Ty Conti did <laughs> but wait hasn't she exponentially improved yeah she's exponentially improved yeah she did that move with the wrong arm and dropped the chick <laughs> or, or let go of her. Um, <laughs> so Brett's working him over. Bulldog finally rams Brett into the turnbuckle uh, during a sleeper. Turns it around. He shoots Brett to the ropes, goes for a press slam. He lost his balance, right? Fuck. Yeah, it, uh, he didn't mean to drop him on the ropes. It, I didn't think anyway. No, it definitely was not intentional. It was an accident. But we have yeah. to point out that Davy Boy apparently was under the influence of something before this match started. 
Right. He, um, Brett said, I think in his book, that they had worked out all this shit going into the match. Davey couldn't remember any of it. But he said when they got out there, he called everything to him and he did fine. But Correct. It's but... totally possible that this was, and that this was a hard move because he's power, sl- he's, he's press slamming him while he's coming off the ropes. So Brett has a lot of momentum coming at him. Yes, there's momentum carrying you a certain direction. And if you're under the influence of something, it's going to be harder to retain control. Yeah, so maybe they just shouldn't have done this. Totally but, um, agree. He ended up dropping Brett right on the ropes, but not like in your normal crotch position. He just kind of like hung up in the ropes. And like it was like the second rope. Wrong. Yeah, the second rope. Yeah, he just hit the ropes all wrong. Yes. That was why I was like, I didn't remember it from back in the day, but I was like, that was totally, he dropped him. He lost yeah. his balance. Exactly. And then he did the press slam like a minute later. Yes. So I was like, okay. Then I was like, sure, he fucked it up. Yes. But then like a, um, a few minutes later, he does a superplex off the top rope. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. That's look, it. If, if he's fucked up, Brett's trusting him big time in this. Like anybody else, Brett's maybe like, I don't think so, dude. But right. maybe because it was his brother-in-law? I don't or know. Maybe just, you know, maybe he got in there and felt him out, too. That's true. Yeah, I don't see Brett putting you know. himself in danger unless he knew that he was going to come out of it okay. And but, Bulldog was one of the best in the world sober, so you yeah, think he'd he be pretty fucking good fucked up. Yeah, and to be honest, not knowing Bulldog's condition mm-hmm. ahead of this match, even going back and watching it now, I didn't notice anywhere aside from that drop on the press slam that you pointed out. I didn't really notice anything where Bulldog was sloppy or off. Not at all. No, not at yeah. all. And I wouldn't even say he was sloppy or off of that. I think maybe it was, like I said, he maybe they should have left that spot out. Agree. Because yeah. that would have been hard for anyone at Correct. any time. You know? yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, so they end up doing, it's really good back and forth. It was pretty, it was like a 20, 25 minute match. Yeah, and Brett say, controlled a good portion of the middle of the match. Like you mentioned he where did. he was he was kind of like leaning into working heel but didn't totally go full heel. Like mm-hmm. Brett really got to put on some offense there and he really controlled the match to the point where you're like, oh, fuck, is he just going to destroy Davey and beat him? Like he yeah, really he was te- kind of teasing a little bit of attitude era Brett. Yeah, he really was, dude, but he worked him over so well. It was like it was kind of like watching him when he was part of the Hart Foundation when he would just control that middle portion of the match and mm-hmm. work over the face. That's exactly what he did here. And it was fantastic. Totally, totally yeah. Um, they end up doing a double clothesline. They both go down. Really cool move. Brett puts a sharpshooter on Davey while they're on their backs. Yeah, like he grabs that was his legs. Cool. It's the only time I can remember him doing that. He's probably done it other times, but it's the only time I remember that. Because you're figuring rest hold, right? So they're going to be down for a little bit, but then he starts to maneuver the legs, and you're like, oh, fuck. And, and then, he, boom, and right into a sharpshooter. Rolls him over into the sharpshooter. Yeah, yes. that was so cool. Um, Bulldog ends up getting to the ropes, and then we see a shot of Diana cheering. So, not that it ever comes up, but it's sort of like, oh, Diana seems to have picked a side. Yeah, she has picked a side, yes. Yeah. Um, then they go into a really quick, cool finish. Brett picks Davey up, does an Irish whip. Bulldog reverses it. Brett comes off the ropes as a sunset flip and Davey folds him up. Boom. One, two, three. It was That's so the only quick. time. It was so cool. It was out of nowhere. Um, it looked like Davey just caught Brett. You know, Davey didn't beat the shit out of Brett or anything like that. Nope. There were no so, finishing moves. They didn't finish each other with a finishing move. They each hit their finishing move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Brett kicked out of the power slam. Davey got out of the sharpshooters. You was meant as you had mentioned, but yeah, he got him on a pin. Like, he outworked Brett on that last move, and you're like, oh, shit. That he was, was just incredible. Li- right. He was just a little better tonight. 
Yes, exactly. It was a perfect finish. I love the finish of them. It's one of it's actually one of my favorite finishes. Hundred percent agree time. with you, dude. Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, if you if you were to ask me to name five finishes from matches from the nineties, I'm not even sure I could. This would be the first one that would pop into my head, and it might be the only one. That's how yep. good and how memorable it was. Yep. And the crowd goes banana. Yeah. Yeah, that was great, dude. He was one move better than Brett. Mm-hmm. He got to get the win in front of his home crowd. And again, I don't know how this would have played out in Baltimore, but it just seems that WWF played their hands so well in moving the event to England that mm-hmm. it was a perfect moment in wrestling, especially for the British Bulldog. And it was incredible. It was. It totally was. Um, it was perfectly, I had in my notes, it was perfectly booked. They booked yeah. it. Everything about it made perfect sense. You have the, and you can't necessarily recreate this, but it was, it made perfect sense. You have the brother versus his brother-in-law with the sister in the middle of it. Yep. And everything. So you have the whole family angle to it that added a lot to it. And you just have two guys who were great in it, like kind of at the top of their game at the point. Um, and then after it, you, they did the thing where Davey wants to shake Brett's hand. Brett hesitates, but then he finally does it. So you're like, okay, Brett redeems himself, you know? Yep. Um, he wrestled a bit like a heel, but no, he's a baby face and we still love him. We just love, this is England, so we love Davey a little more. And, and to your point about this being perfectly booked, Eddie, is that they didn't overbook this match like they did with the title Mm-mm. match Mm-mm. with Mm-mm. Warrior and Savage. They or just maybe let to an the wrestlers like, speak. Yeah. Yes, or even maybe like they overbooked HBK in the model with Sherry in the middle of it. Like yeah. maybe there was a little bit too much of that match. There was definitely too much of the world title match. This here... They they just let Davey and Brett tell the story, and Diana was kind of an afterthought after the match. And you're right. They booked it perfectly. It was at the perfect venue, and it was amazing. And to this day is one of my favorite matches. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. They just they let two wrestlers go out and wrestle. Yeah. Is what they yeah. did. Yep, not yep. overbooked and just told a perfect story. Yeah, and maybe this is one of the matches and one of the angles that the current writers should go back and watch. I agree. You yes. know, like if wrestling doesn't have to be complicated like it is now. Like Raw, every week I watch Raw and the storylines are convoluted and it's always the, um, someone comes to do a promo and three people's music hits and interrupt them one after the other and all this shit. Wrestling is best when it's simple and this was simple yep. and basic and perfect and it was one of the best shit this might be like my second favorite match of the 90s wow and my my first would be brett and mr perfect the year before yeah yeah and you again know? that one didn't have a lot to it they just let the two guys go in the ring tell a story and it was mm-hmm. amazing and now 92 SummerSlam, they did the exact same thing with one of the players in the game again with brett and yeah you're right put on just a perfect show and it Perfect. was amazing. Yeah. I just have one thing to point out about the hugs at the end when uh, Dana uh, uh, got into the ring. When uh, she and Bulldog hugged, he did that thing where, like, if, if two two guys hug, and then as they're backing away in appreciation, one taps the other on the shoulder or on the peck or so. <laughs> Was he, he grab Diana's he did, tits? He did, <laughs> he did that with her. He's all, woo. Yeah. That's odd. I didn't catch it that. Was, I didn't either. It was weird. It's so minimal, but it's there. Well, it was, he was just, high. It was just interesting. Well, yeah. and that Brett, then Brett gave Diana the hug. Yes. And like yeah. lifted her up. And like lifted threw her his up. dick yeah. into it and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brett was into yeah. it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. 
turn two. Um, Bretha hit that heart. Oh, I'm sorry. So kind of my oh, final notes sorry, was... I'm um, sorry, I'm sorry. Shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, kind of the last bit of notes I have is a great show. The main event was the best match. The title match was the worst. And um, Vince was awful. Yeah. I would concur with all of that. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And we shall see in probably one year's time if uh, if SummerSlam is going to be in England. Or even probably in the next month or two. I mean, I'd say something for that. You have to announce it well ahead of time. We'll know in the next couple months. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But that takes care of our episode where we cover SummerSlam 1992 at Wembley Stadium. What did you think of this show? Uh, what did you think of the pay-per-view? Just uh, let us know uh, your thoughts uh, on our uh, social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wrestling underscore drunk. And please continue to leave us reviews on all the podcasting platforms. We do, really do want to hear your input so that we can keep this fun show going. Uh, with all that said, with Eddie and Scott, uh, I'm Adam. Just reminding you to please continue following common sense safety measures. Jer Buzz, watch wrestling responsibly, drink like nobody's watching, and we will see you next time for another great episode. That takes care of it. One, two, three. God save the queen. <laughs> Jerry Stong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.